0: You can continue to stand with the vulture funds, or you can finally say that this stops now. First-time buyers,
1: 500 a week drawing down their mortgage, the highest we've seen since I was in my late 20s. What have we done to try and help those people? If this happened in Dublin,
0: should be sorted.
1: Hello again. Happy Law Elabrida. I'm Anya Lawler, and this is RTE's weekly politics podcast, Your Politics, coming to you from our Leinster House studio, where I'm joined by Sandra Hurley and Nihal Lahan. Actually, I haven't seen that picture of St. Bridget yet, which is uh, on show here in Leinster House today, isn't it? To celebrate? It is. In bulk?
0: Right inside the main door yeah. I'll have to
1: To have a look at it on the way out. Um, Let's start with. Ukraine, because in many ways it's been making the news today between the votes that have taken place here during the week on cutting aid to new arrivals. And of course, what Minister Heather Humphreys was saying about what might change in future for the Ukrainian refugees already here and an unexpected breakthrough, Michal, at the European Council meeting in
0: Brussels. Yeah, so the the big package agreed at Brussels in the end and the Hungarian prime minister Uh, at the last minute, it seems, withdrawing opposition to it. However, that was achieved. There was a paper uh, during the rounds showing that if EU aid was withdrawn from Hungary, what that might mean. So perhaps that influenced things. But it does show that at that one level, things progress. But I suppose many people looking to that point of March 2025, that's when the temporary directive around providing shelter and aid to people fleeing the war in Ukraine, that comes to an end. And that's something that is clearly beginning to exercise the minds of government here. And Heather Humphreys in the clearest language yet in the door last night, mm-hmm. saying that as government looked to plan to that, well, then when it comes to the people from Ukraine who are already in state accommodation, well, perhaps down the line, their welfare rates could be cut as well. The Dáil last night voting on the plan to cut rates for new arrivals from some point next month. Uh, The vote going through 108 to in favour, 15 against. That cuts the rate from 232 euro a week to 38 euro 80. It still has to go to the shallot. Uh, But I suppose that was a very, very clear signal around what government Mm. is thinking. Some of the language too by Heather Humphreys talking about government hasn't been found wanting. has put roofs over the heads of 75,000 Ukrainians. Uh, but in the future, they could have to take responsibility for themselves. She said, find a job, find a place to live or else move on. Now, the integration minister, far more diplomatic today and how he spoke about this, said there are no plans at the moment to cut the rate mm-hmm. for those people who are already in accommodation. He did say he expected a surge of people from Ukraine to come here in the next few weeks, though, before the new system switches over.
1: And there's been a lot of messaging coming from government this week, hasn't there, Sandra, on immigration?
2: Yes, I think this has been going on really since the beginning of January. A lot of signals coming from government that they want to take a tougher line on immigration and certainly emphasising that they are going to that rules are there and they must be enforced. And that was something that the Taoiseach Lee of Radker said in an op-ed in a Sunday newspaper a few weeks ago. And what we got this week from the Justice Minister was the addition of two more countries, Algeria and Botswana, to the safe list, which is a designation that where the Minister says these countries are pretty much safe, largely free from persecution or torture. Therefore, we can fast track the uh, processing for people coming from those countries.
1: And we have a lot of people coming from those countries relative to others, don't we?
2: Yeah, Algeria in particular, I think over 3000 people. Not a huge amount of political pushback against it. Holly Kearns raised something in the Algeria. in Algeria, it's illegal to be homosexual. Uh, This is something that has also been raised by some of the refugee groups. But generally, the political pushback has been pretty Mm -hmm. minimal. Uh, The government also talking about increasing the fines on airlines uh, for not checking people's documents properly. But all the signals really coming that the government wants to send out this message that it's getting tougher on immigration. It's also talking again about chartering flights to... To deport people. This is something they did in the past. Certainly the signal uh, going yeah. out. They don't want to be vulnerable I think on immigration and uh, with the elections coming up, that it, it's very clear what they're doing. And we've seen the polls showing haven't they, that you know, immigration
1: is certainly Big-ish, an issue know, that's rising the first rising time, remember, the floor, in, Coming yeah. into
0: an election campaign in, in some polls being up there or even ahead of housing which is remarkable where that has come from in a relatively uh, quick period of time. as well and as Sinn
1: Féin's f- pivot on this as the main opposition party yeah, as well. Yeah, but Sinn Féin
0: again kind of pointing to that period after March 2025 and talking about the need to bring Ireland in line with other EU countries but saying it should be John Brady last night saying it should be phased and there shouldn't be a cliff edge. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of in line with where Heather Humphreys was last night as well. I think you can see from the government this kind of tougher approach at one level, but then also Helen McEntee today in a social media campaign, as she says, busting the myths about migration, saying there's half a million workers, people from outside uh, the country who are working here, contributing billions in taxes, about 20 percent about of the workforce, saying, too, that the notion that Ireland is full is nonsense and people are needed to bring life back in, particularly into small towns and, and rural places. And that this idea that people are here unvetted again, she says that is nonsense. Uh, Everyone who seeks asylum here is fingerprinted and also photographed. And if they have documents, they're checked against other EU databases.
1: All right. And certainly in terms of the war in Ukraine, I know the EU did agree that 50 billion in aid uh, today, but the aid from the US has been held up over there uh, because of the row between the Republicans and the Democrats. And the word from the battlefront from Ukraine is that, you know, pretty much stalemate and no quick end in sight. So it'll be interesting.
2: And actually interesting to note the fluctuations in the numbers coming from Ukraine over the past month. So for the first three weeks in January, there was a dramatic fall in the numbers. Politicians uh, said that that was likely due to the fact that the rules were going to change, those entitlements that Michal was yeah. talking about. But now in the past week or so, the numbers have shot up again. Uh, the thinking there is that people want to get in before the accommodation rule changes, that entitlement to state accommodation, the, the limit being put on it. So they are dealing with a, a kind of a, a very moving picture all the time, I think. It's very difficult to predict how how much the numbers are likely to be. But there was a number given to a cabinet Committee last week that the number of international protection applicants coming to Ireland this year could be as high as 20,000. Now for the last two years it's been 13,000 or thereabouts, which is very high, but 20,000 will be a lot to deal with.
0: And when it comes to the changes, the people coming from Ukraine are going to be accommodated in kind of new new asylum centres or whatever, or reception centres the one these big new centres that are planned and the first two that are kind of there are one at Strad Valley in County Leash and one at Ballyogan in Dublin I think across the two of them there's 3,200 beds government said that will be sufficient uh, when the new changes kick in
2: because they're going to segregate the centres aren't they so new people go only to the new centres with the new accommodation rules older people who've already been here go into the older centres so that, that is how they're planning it so let's move on um
1: RTE still making headlines we had the latest report uh, this week this time on examining the 2017 and 2021 voluntary exit schemes from RTE that were supposed to be cost saving exercises
2: um the story so far yes another damning report another fairly depressing report i think for lots of employees um there were It was looking into the details of the exit schemes, the redundancy schemes in 2017 and 2021. So one main finding in relation to the former Chief Financial Officer Brida O'Keefe that her package was not signed off by the board, it was signed off by D-Forbes, the, yeah. the exec board, and that there uh, a business case had been made for it but in the end her job was replaced so it probably shouldn't have gone through at all. And then 10 other redundancies that were approved, there's issues around those and really significantly here there are likely revenue implications the revenue are going to be looking into it and it's RTE who would have to put mm-hmm. the bill there so potentially a very large bill down the road as well
1: and the public accounts committee and the media committee uh, they're all looking to have RTE board members and executives back in before them
0: yeah February the 14th kind of a date it looks like for the media committee anyway and they want the bosses and the board members back in but they also are going to issue fresh invitations to D Forbes and to Maya Doherty other people too like Rory Coveney and Jim Jennings are going to be invited in. This probably will be the last of the really big crunch days because there is a lot to discuss Mm -hmm. there with the toy show, the musical report and also the voluntary exit scheme. Uh, After that, there will be further hearings when those two government reports around culture and governance are published. But I think when it comes to the discussion around numbers and what happened, these are very important days indeed coming up. For the RT management, uh, there is dismay and anger around the House once again, uh, but equally that sense that things are pushing very much towards the, the future funding for public service media, as, as the Thornish Mehol Martin was describing it uh, this morning. You can see clear lines emerging from the biggest opposition party and at least some in government. Yeah.
1: And interesting exchanges. I mean, yesterday you had Mary Lou uh, MacDonald, Sinn Féin leader and Eamon Ryan, the Green Party leader, back and forth between them. And again, even more pointed today between the Tánaiste and pierre starty So whether public interest in all of this is waning uh, now that the big presenters are, aren't coming up to, to the committees, uh, this question about funding and, you know, people the question about people paying their licence fee, that becomes more and more corrosive day by day, doesn't it?
2: And I think Sinn Féin have really kind of... uh picked on this over the last few days. As you've said, they've obviously decided this is an issue that's going to cut through with the public. The focus today from Pierce Doherty was on accusing the government of dithering over its decision. Sinn Féin now says it's very clear that it should be exchequer funded. Mm -hmm. um, But also then talking about people who are prosecuted or brought through the courts for not paying their licence fees. So uh, they clearly feel this is something that's going to resonate with the public. The government is clearly at odds. We know the cabinet is split on this There's pressure to make a decision within a certain time frame. They're promising to do it before the summer. But we know it's immensely politically tricky.
0: It does seem there's an urgency there now, especially when Sinn Féin are saying that the 60 people a day being brought before the courts, the... Accusation that they're making in the chamber is saying that they're the only people being held accountable uh, rather than people in RTE. So that is very mm. politically potent uh, government clearly signaling that once those two final reports that they commissioned are out of the way at some point in February, that it's at that yeah. point she will have a decision.
1: And it's been interesting, isn't it, the different emphases and talking points we've had from the different party leaders in government about this question of direct exchequer funding. If you're not going to have the licence fee, if you're not going to have, you know, a broadband charge or tax or whatever people want to call it, if it's not going to be collected by the revenue and if it is going to be direct government funding, uh, more and more ministers pointing the finger at Sinn Féin and saying that's not editorially healthy.
0: Yes, and also talking about Sinn Féin's legal actions, both Eamon Ryan yesterday and the Thaunishter today saying they're having a chilling effect. And the Thaunishter saying that any government in the future could use uh, the possibility of reducing funding to public service yeah. media uh, as leverage, he said, when it comes to controlling the message. So I suppose that is the great fear. At the same time, Sinn Fein can point to that recommendation from the media commission and they did advocate direct exchequer yeah. funding. I think if you're And the, they also
1: point to T G carr, of course, which yeah. gets funded directly. Yeah.
0: If, if you're to look if there is any unity in government the interview that Eamon Ryan did with you in the morning the Fine Gael in, in Limerick he did at that point suggest that a universal charge possibly below the rate of the current licence fee that that may be his preference he hasn't said it since but Michal Martin in the chamber today again floating that idea and saying not alone is it his idea but it's also something that Oireachtas committees over the years have backed because what
1: the fee thi- is going to be get, getting public buy-in in the end yeah.
0: so if, if it's yeah. below the rate and then again of course there does seem to be a greater push and there has been a recent months around getting revenue to collect it.
1: Okay. So let's uh, cast our eyes northwards at the moment and it's going to, well today as we speak in Westminster they're fast tracking the mm-hmm. legislation which is all around the latest compromise on the uh, protocol and the Windsor framework. Um, I mean, it's, it's 80 pages of a command paper isn't it Sandra but I mean, I haven't read all of it, in <laughs> detail. I have to confess. I think but you need to be
2: a lawyer to fully yeah. appreciate it. And there are different interpretations. There's a lot of fudge built into this. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that only
1: become clear down the line and down the line and down the line. But it does um, mean that at this stage, it seems as though Stormont is going to be getting back in business on sat- Saturday, which would be a huge day for Sinn Féin and for Michelle O'Neill.
0: Yeah, and... At the Sinn Féin in recent times, they've always said that the main, one of the main difficulties beyond Brexit, beyond the sea border, uh, did stem from the fact that the DUP were uneasy with that uh, Sinn Féin getting the first minister role. Even though it has always been said from those who've worked within the administration that really, in in real terms, it doesn't amount to very much. But of course, there is a massive symbolism there. It doesn't look like it will be Geoffrey Jeffrey Donaldson who will take that. Uh, second or deputy first minister role that that will fall Emma
2: Little to Pangeli is that right that, is the that, name, that's that's the name I think Geoffrey Donaldson also making it clear he's going to stay on as an MP so yeah. if he's not in the Assembly he, he's not going to take up that role which conveniently yeah. means that he doesn't have to serve sort of in a potentially uh, second order position to Michelle O'Neill even though technically they are on the same rank. And he's, I mean, last week of course he, he made that passionate speech in the House of
1: Commons and then of course we had that DUP officer board meeting on Monday night uh, where somebody was wearing a wire and loyalist <laughs> Jamie Bryson uh, was tweeting the proceedings at the as, Bryson
0: as Broadcasting Corporation as <laughs> Jim Allister
1: turned. <laughs> yes, but it, it does mean and I think there's a big loyalist meeting tonight or whatever. So, I mean, the test for Geoffrey Donaldson is going to be that UK general election and what happens to the unionist vote and whether this compromise costs some votes.
2: I think he has got some wins here. Some are real and some are cosmetic. Some are things like the renaming of the green lanes, calling it the UK internal market system. There's a bit of a fudge on sort of future divergence with EU laws, whether they have to stick within the rules. A minister will have to come in and make a statement on it. It's not quite clear what happens after that. That's going to be really significant, but it's sort of, pushes it down the road. There are some other wins that are going to make a big difference to British businesses. For the moment, Northern Irish businesses had to, uh, if they were manufacturing goods, they have to put this not for EU label on it. Businesses really disliked that they felt and politicians felt that it meant that it made them different to the rest of the United Kingdom. Now all British businesses are going to have to do that, put the not for EU label on their uh, goods, which is going to come at a huge cost. But at least it's something tangible for Jeffrey Donaldson to go back to his party with. He did get it over the line earlier this week. It's obviously going to go through Westminster. But you're right, the political test for the DUP is going to be further along. And, and there is
0: that other piece then around the enshrining the, the, the place of Northern Ireland constitutionally. But I suppose that's really in keeping by and large with the Good Friday Agreement anyway. And, and saying in specific language in another piece of legislation that things like giant authority are off the table. It's, it's one or the other. Uh, if there is a change along the way, it has to be with the consent of the people.
1: But Mary Lou MacDonald says this means that unity is within touching distance.
0: Well, I suppose you could. You could argue that too. It is It is going to be a, a choice of one or the other, isn't it, in clear terms.
1: Uh, and the other question, again, I mean, it, you know, it'll be a very significant day if Stormont does come back to business on Saturday. The last time they met, I remember Michelle O'Neill, because at that stage, you know, a lot of people very pessimistic about the chances of this deal getting over the line. And she was saying it could po- you know, possibly be the last time they would meet at all. There were mm. some people questioning the future of power sharing at all. But the other question that remains is how long before either the DUP or Sinn Féin, pull the House of Cards down again. That's what the other parties argue and they say the structures need to be revisited.
2: Yes, uh, and we've seen this happen several times before. Uh, questions also around the div- you know the division of ministries. Do you go back to the Dahan system, yeah. which they are going to do? But there's been a lot of criticism of that, saying it is outdated. For now, it worked at the time, uh, but it's not the way to do it now. And it excludes. Well, it certainly makes uh, it more difficult for other parties. Look at how the gains that Alliance has made, but they're not going. That's not going to be realised in the share yeah. out. We had another Gaza motion in the Dáil this week,
0: meal Yeah, and defeated along similar lines that eight or nine votes. Uh, so a big push, some protests at the gates as well. But I suppose the government buying time for the moment saying that they will consider their position and not ruling out I join in that South African case or at least intervening in it. It wasn't as heated as the week before, but the level of sentiment does remain and the level of determination from the opposition benches on government, uh, that that is unabated.
1: And again, just rounding up a couple of things, uh, we've had those big farmers protests in Paris. I, I, I think there's supposed to be one here uh, tonight. And But it's interesting, there was an article in, in Politico and of course this outgoing EU Parliament and Commission They were all elected, you know, it was the whole Greta Thunberg movement. So it became very much the Green Parliament. We had the Green Deal uh, from the Commission. We saw that deal just about get over the line uh, there before Christmas. And there was this really interesting article in Politico about this European Parliament elections and the next Commission that in many ways it's being shaped already by the backlash from farmers across Europe against that Green Deal. It'll be an interesting thing to watch that play out, won't it?
2: Yes, and we're seeing it in Ireland as well. We're seeing the new Farmers Party. We're seeing migration play a role, which also will be uh, big in the European elections. You look at Michael Collins setting up this new party. You've got other more far-right parties which have been uh, registered with the um, Electoral Commission. So there's going to be different forces at play Mm -hmm. in the next election. So certainly Ireland mirroring Europe in that way. Josefa Madigan getting uh, quite significant party backing, did she, in her
1: um, aim to be Finnegan's yes. MEP candidate? Yes,
0: from the Public Expenditure Minister, Pascal Dono And of course, there's nothing better than getting the imprimatur of your constituency colleague and. I suppose all colleagues from the same party are ultimately rivals to. So Neil Richmond giving the thumbs up for Josefa to board a plane to Brussels. Uh,
1: yes. What indeed. a surprise. Um, today, not just lo- loyally, breathed but uh, the deposit return scheme came into being. Has anyone... Brought back a bottle yet?
0: Not yet. It's interesting the deposit return scheme was one of those issues that went well into the early hours of the Sunday morning when the government was being negotiated. One of those final things that that had to be decided and nailed down. It's taken a while to get to this point.
1: And it'll take a while before cannabis is being decriminalised judging by um, what's happening to the report from the Citizens Assembly. And this committee will be examining it all.
2: Yeah, I think uh, not before, as with a lot of issues, it won't be sorted before the next election. So it's a problem for the next government. And I think we're going to see a a huge amount of that because really we're in the final countdown now in terms of uh, the number of months left getting legislation through. So any really sticky problem will be postponed.
0: Yeah, Um, on a similar note, a lot of work done around the assisted dying uh, issue at, at committee level and a report not too far off now. The end of, of submissions is quite soon. Again, you feel it's one of those ones that probably, though, uh, won't won't progress beyond this doll. That the, a new doll will come back and look at it again.
1: And of course, in terms of the lifetime of this uh, doll, what do you make of Phil Hogan uh, apparently saying in Dublin recently uh, that uh, the general election
2: he was predicting w- would be happening in June? Yes, he said they'd be better to go early. Uh, I think one of the reasons he was citing was that there won't be much money left in uh, October. He said something about how John and Mary won't be getting much money was the quote. And then he took a few swipes at Leo Fradker, John Paul Phelan, a few scores being settled there. But certainly some uh, interesting comments, I think, for anybody interested in politics.
0: Despite his political instincts and nose, I think we all do know too that Phil Hogan uh, does get it wrong <laughs> on occasion.
1: On occasion. All right, we leave it there. Uh, Thanks for tuning in and we'll be back with you again next Thursday. Sláinte.